0: I didn't want you to have to make this choice. 30 men. Plus Krieger. For the greater good. Call it what you will. It's calling war. Greetings once again, Bucketheads, Maeve Artigar. Welcome to the 183rd Tractor Beam Busting episode of MandoVision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Remember the best way to reach out to us and follow along with us is on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Please email the show at MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. And be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this podcast with all the Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? Happ- uh, welcome to another happy, happy, happy... That's a weird word to use when talking about this show. And or Wednesday. But all I know is after an episode, I am extremely happy that I am watching this show and, and just basking in the glory of, of what I just witnessed for the last 45 to 50 minutes of, the sh- of TV. My goodness, we are here for the thrilling uh, 11th episode of Season 1. And, you know, I... I I feel like I'm, I'm just treading ground I've covered before, but every episode of this show just seems to ratchet things up, just just like just another notch in that tension. Uh, and and it, it's it's exquisite. The pain is exquisite. The tension is exquisite. And I'm here for all of it. Uh, just another just stellar episode of the show. It just continues to build and build and elevate. And every week, it adds another layer to itself. Uh, and it is, in my opinion, and and I'm sure everyone's seen similar statements on the across the internet, across the interwebs. This is like possibly one of the finest Star Wars things I've I've come across in all forms of media: comic books, movies, uh, video games, all, novels, all of it. I mean, this is this is just some really exceptional Star Wars and and just great storytelling. Even without the Star Wars, I mean, this is a, the Star Wars show that you show to people who don't know or want to know anything about Star Wars. And I, 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 th- I think this show just just sucks you in. You just get, it, it, there's so many familiar themes and so many uh, familiar uh, topics. There's so much commentary on things that are going on in actual real-life society that this is the show that you showed to those non-Star Wars fans. And you're like, just sit down. Have a good time. Stare deeply into Diego Luna's eyes and get lost. In the journey of Cassie and Andor, uh, because that's what I do every week, and um, yeah, deep, intense eye contact with Diego Luna is the best way to watch the show. And that's what I'm here to say. So let's go ahead and, and really kind of get into this episode. Uh, it, it's it's. I mean, I don't even know where, where do we start with this week's episode of the show. I mean, how do I sort of like preface this? Right. Let, let's just go ahead and get and get the details of the episode out of the way. All right. This is Andor. Episode 11 of Season 1, Daughter of Ferex. Original air date today, November 16th, 2022. Written by the man himself, the showrunner, Tony Gilroy. Directed by Benjamin Caron. And our plot this week, a fugitive once more, Cassian, must make his next move before it is too late. Our principal cast this week, Diego Luna once again as Cassian Andor, Stellan Skarsgård as Luth and Ryle. Who else we got in this one? Genevieve O'Reilly, of course, is Mon Mothma. We got uh, Kyle Soler as Cyril Karn. Uh, Forrest Whitaker returns as Saw Guerrera. There's so many people in this cast that are so, so wonderful. Uh, it, 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 I, I do a disservice by not reading all their names that, that appear in the show. But my goodness gracious, what a cast. What a team. What a crazy time to be a Star Wars fan. But, you know, this episode starts, uh, you know, we really pick up where we ended last week's episode with, with Cassian and Melshi on the run on Narkina 5, hoping to evade, being recaptured by the Empire. And, and that's what we see them doing, evading uh, Imperial patrols who are looking to recapture the, the fugitives from the prison complex on Arkena Five. And we see them clinging to the side of a rock. Um, and, and, you know, it, the galaxy is a sort of hopeless place. And, and, and despite their, their escape you know melshi's now in a position where melshi's like i'm not sure i can go on like i'm clinging to the side of this rock and my hands don't work and i got to climb back up the top of this rock to continue my escape to get out of Uh, The clutches of the empire. Maybe it's just easier if I just fall. (laughs) Like you sort of wonder, like, what is this? What these guys thinking? Like, I did this big daring escape, and now is is he just going to fall off the side of this this cliff face and and plummet to his death? And then uh, in in a very uh, vertically challenged situation, you know, you hit that water at that height. That is not going to feel good. I suspect in a very uh, death inducing sort of way. Uh, But but you know, Andor is kind of like. Well, while I wouldn't say like Andor instills hope in him. He he still instills sort of like this calmness to the situation, and sort of just kind of reminds Melshi like, "We got this. We we've come this far. Climbing this rock is is not going to be the thing that stops us now." Uh, and and so we know that they're going to be safe. They're going to be back to the top of that rock. Not only that, because we we've seen Rogue One, but just again for those non Wars fans who don't know that Melshi's in Rogue One, maybe you think he is going to die in this. Or maybe you, think, you even think Andor's gonna die. Maybe you don't realize he's in Rogue One. I don't, you know, it, that, that's for each person to decide. But it, it's, it's just a really kind of interesting way to start the episode off, kind of giving us like, here's where where Andor and and, and, and Melshi are right now, uh, and then the rest of the episode is all about uh, drawing these threads together, pulling all these strings that we have uh, been been unspooling. Throughout the course of the first season here, uh, and now it's time to pull them all together, and we're gonna we're gonna tighten up this tapestry that we're weaving, and it's gonna be uh, glorious. And I, another thing I am delighted about is you know I, I've speculated on, on certain things like oh maybe this is the route they go with this, maybe this is where we're headed with this particular plot element. Uh, As thus far, I've been delighted to be wrong. <laughs> and another reason why I don't generally play the speculation game. Uh, but with this show, they sometimes they seem to point us in a certain direction, uh, and then they they sort of redirect us as the episodes play out, as the show plays out. And we start to get to know a little bit more about our characters and their motivations and what's sort of driving them. And 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 again, this this show, despite well not not despite uh, um, as the benefit of of just having these wonderful performers on on the show. Uh, each new episode is, reveals them and, and something else about them, some other complexity about their character, about their about their um, why they choose to do the things that they do. So it's it's it starts the Cassian and Melshi clinging to the side of this rock, uh, and and it's a death on Ferrix, an, an off screen death no less, uh, that draws all of our players back into the orbit of Cassian Andor in and the planet Ferrix, where we all started this season. Uh, in the first three episodes of it, it all points back to Ferrex into a big confrontation, and now centered around the death of of Cassian's adopted mother, uh, Marva, played by the great Fiona Shaw. And and so, I, I was sort of of two minds at first when that, when that scene for, sort of played out, because um, <laughs> because I love Fiona Shaw. I think she's a f- uh, fantastic actor, and and I was sad to see her go uh, in in such a, a such a way, but. There is a real underscoring of of Cassian's sort of. Uh, I don't know if tragedy is the right word, but sort of, uh, there's a real sadness to the Cassian Andor character when when you now realize that uh, his adopted mother is not going to be a pawn in some imperial plot, at least not alive, or you know, or uh, in, in the rebels' plot. Like they're not going to take Marva hostage and, and and use her against Cassian in that in that way. No, no, no. We're we're going to add a, 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 a another level of of complexity and depth to the casting Andor character by adding this real sad element to him, the fact that like his actions, his choices, uh, the things that he did that he felt he had to do that drove him off Therix and, and kept him from Ferrex now have now kept him from being uh, at his mother's side as she passes on, as, as she dies. And, and that's, a, that's a really sad thing, I think, for for a lot of people. I think a lot of us can uh, relate to situations like that. You know, we can't always be there with our loved ones, but we'd like to think that if if circumstances were in our favor, we would be. And, and Cassian's made his choices, and, and this one uh, is, a, is a bad one. This is one he's going to have to live with forever and ever and ever, that he couldn't be there for Marva when she maybe needed him to be. Um, you know, they sort of hinted at her health going downhill in the last episode, uh, and it's her death that now brings us all back to Ferex. And let's go ahead and talk about that in more depth, and more detail. Uh, let, it, it's so much to get into. Uh, I, I sort of preambled there a bit longer than I intended to, but you know how that goes on this podcast. Alright, so let's do it. Let's do that thing. You know what time it is. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. I need to get a message to Marva Andor. Cassian? Don't. No names. Where are you? Tell Marva about her. She'd be proud of me, and I'll get back as soon as I can. Can you remember that? Cass, hang on. No names. I'm counting on you, son. Just let her know what I said. Wait. What? Cass, I'm sorry. Your mother's dead. What's so interesting to me about Learning of Marva's death is sort of the way it, it's, it's told to us, the way we're sort of informed. Uh, we're getting it from, from B2EMO, depending on how you want to say it, from his perspective, from his optical and auditory inputs. We're, we're learning of, of what's going on in the, in the Andor house. And, and don't tell me that droids don't feel things. This is the most distraught I think I've ever seen a droid in Star Wars ever. Uh, th- this droid is insanely upset and 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 emotional over the passing of Marva. Doesn't want to leave the home. Doesn't want to think of of life, you know, in regards without without Marva in it. Uh, and it's it's so insanely sad. And it's it sets it sort of sets the tone for for things moving forward. Kind of under again, I'm sort of underlining the sadness that's going on on Ferrex and and that that. Um, Andor will feel by the end as he's sort of drawn back into the events of his own life. Sort of the mess he, he has sort of made on Ferex with everything that that he sort of set off in those first couple of episodes. But it is Marva's death that, that brings a lot of our, our principal players uh, to the front here at the, at the very beginning of the episode because uh, ISB, uh, uh supervisor Dedra Mero, Mero wants to allow the public funeral to happen uh, to bait the trap for Andor and you know, initially, as 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 Dedra's talking to the 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 officer on Ferrix, they're going to deny the permit. They don't allow these sort of uh, cultural expressions any longer. But Dedra knows this is um, a, a a prime opportunity to draw Cassian Andor out of wherever he's hiding for this funeral. So they want it to be public. They want to control the environment. They want to set the situation and again sort of bait that trap for Andor to fall in, so they can capture him. And through him, learn or confirm the, who it is that they is the person they call access, the one sort of putting together this network of rebel cells across the galaxy. Uh, what we also learned that I thought was very, very interesting was, was this term that we, that we get uh, that Marva was being bricked. And, and that was basically she's being cremated and, and packed into uh, a, a, a brick to, to build. On Ferrix, you know, she is a daughter of Ferrix. She is the the titular daughter of Ferrix for this episode, uh, and and the other daughters of Ferrix are the ones who inter her and take her body away for this bricking process, uh, and it, and it really lends more depth to uh, that that sort of cultural exploration that that these the show has so far done pretty darn well. Whether it's here on Ferex or when we talked about the the natives of Aldhani, we even get a little bit about the people the uh, the, the we hear a little bit more about their people in this episode, too. So I sort of like that we're getting more into some of these cultural things. And, you know, we, we saw a good expression of, of Ferrex culture in those first three episodes. But this is a very fascinating uh, level for the way they um, incorporate their dead into their everyday lives and and build Farrick's on top of its... Um, <laughs> Important citizens, I suppose, or as primary citizens, or or, or even just all maybe maybe you know, all citizens have the option of being bricked and, and use as a foundation for Ferrex to build and grow because, you know, this is a very independent culture. The Empire is now there suppressing tons and tons and tons of aspects of it. Uh, and I you know, I, I went I, I was thinking back to when I was first reviewing the show and we were spending more time on on, on Ferrex and I would I often described Ferrex as, as sort of having like this very tactile Feel to it, like you could you could touch it, and it had like this texture, and this just adds to that, I think. And I thought it was a very fascinating uh, idea because you know, often when we explore death in Star Wars, uh, it's it's sort of familiar, right? It's it's funeral pyres and, and things like that, and and uh, you know, uh, like like Padme's death, you know, sort of like the funeral march and 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 pallbearers and those and those sort of very familiar. Uh, images that we, we, we kind of know and love. and the, not, not love, but we are, that we are very familiar with from our cultures here on planet Earth. Uh, the idea of being bricked is fascinating to me. I don't know. I find it intriguing. Perhaps if I lived in a place like Ferris I would like to be bricked as well and be part of something that future generations can build upon. Um, it's a very interesting idea. I liked it very, very much. Also on Phaerix, we, we, we noticed the Imperial Spy Corv uh, he's still hanging around watching the Andor residents, waiting for signs of Cassian to return. Also in the same hangout, the same, like, a coffee shop across the street, we see Rebel Spy Senta, now now working as basically this, the Farrick's barista, I suppose, uh, watching the Andor residents. So these two agents from the other side of the street from each other, you know, we've got the Imperial and the Rebel, both were in the same building for most of their scenes, at least in this episode. And I think the little bit that we saw them last week, even in the same area, watching the indoor residents, I, you'd have to think they'd be aware of each other, or at the very least, you'd think Santa is, because Santa seems to have more of a sense of uh, imperial badness when she, when she, you know, is 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 paying attention to it. I don't know if he, again, sort of like that, if that imperial arrogance is is affecting him, so he's not thinking so much of her as a dissident. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out if they are sort of aware of each other as as watchers of the Andor residents or not. But it's it's from this observation that that Senta will make contact with Vel and relay the information about Andor's about Marva Andor's passing, and Vel decides to break pro- all protocols because signals aren't being answered, signals aren't being answered and responded to in any fashion. So Vel bla- breaks protocol, goes to see see uh, C- I hope I'm saying that name right. I I feel like I say it differently every time we go on the show. Kalea, Clea, Sela? I can. <laughs> but Clea is very upset that Vel is there breaking protocols, speaking in a very uncoded, unguarded way. Uh and 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 I don't know, Vel just has no time for it. It's it's very interesting, Vel's sort of reaction to things since the Aldhani heist, right? She's not been able to be have any direct contact with Luthen. She's been sort of been going through Clea, and that I think that really rankles her. So she's trying to get this urgent message about Cassian coming out of hiding, wherever he is, for this funeral very possibly, so Luthen can can spring into action and do what he's supposed to do. Or I, you know, I could just have Senta do it. Would also be my thought on the on the matter too. But it seems like the whole plan is is everyone's heading towards Ferex. So whether that means Luthen's going to be boots on the ground because Luthen is now insanely concerned about potential exposure if a, if Cassian were to be caught by the Imperials, uh, maybe he doesn't tr- maybe he doesn't quite trust Senta t- to do the job, even though Senta does seem like she would happily kill Cassian Andor. <laughs> but again, we're, we're we're drawing all these characters together too because you also have to think that Vel will be drawn back to Ferrix as well. Uh, so we we get all of all of our principles back in the same thing. Uh, and and, and the, the word of Marva's death reaches back to Morlano 1, where we hear from Sergeant Kostak, who we haven't seen since the third episode, who reaches out to Cyril Karn to let him know this news. Like, hey, Andor's mom is dead, and, and we might be able to smoke him out. We might be able to, like, you know, get back in the good graces of, of, of our superiors. And, and the ambitious, the ever-ambitious Cyril Karn uh, uh, sees this as an opportunity, Right again, to, to redeem himself, to get back in his good graces, and you know, probably get a little bit of his pound of flesh out of Cassian Andor. Uh, and he has no problem stealing credits from his mother's safe to fund his quest for redemption. So all these things kind of coming together, drawing all of our characters back to Ferex, putting us back in the orbit of, of, of the planet, the people that kicked the whole season off. We all we, we go back to Ferex now it's it's we we got the Gallivant across the galaxy but we all come back for this this is the moment that brings all of our characters together the death of marva to again bait a trap for cassian andor and it's not just an imperial trap the rebels want to find him you know uh, uh luthen has something at stake here uh, and and again from cassian's perspective too he i think he would i think he has to assume now or i think he has to feel that he has a. Uh, uh, let marva down in some way because he wasn't there for her so that's probably a good amount of guilt to carry around that will that will definitely drive him back to to the planet for the funeral to to see her maybe one last time as a brick in a wall i'm not gonna sing i'm not i'm not gonna sing the song you can't make me do it uh we also cut to bix still a captive of the empire still being interrogated looks just looking worn down and haggard from this experience from having Dr. Gorst playing those the sounds of death cries of the of, of those that alien species whose name I did not write down for today's episode, uh, it, it just it just it seems to have broken her in many many ways, and so they are interrogating her and they show her a hollow picture of Anto Krieger, and they want to know is this who you introduced Cassian Andor to? You know they're trying to determine is Anto Krieger is he Axis? Uh, and we never get to hear her answer. She's, again, sort of out of sorts. We don't know what her mental state is at the moment. Uh, physically, she's not you know, looking at as, as the best she could. But uh, I would imagine being detained by the Empire, they're, they're not digging you showers and soap and fresh towels. You, know, you don't get to clean up after after these sessions. No, 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 no. So that's, that's a lot of stuff right there at the beginning of, of our show. Of our episode for the show for for Andor to to kind of just set the stage for what's coming in our finale, uh, and then we, we kind of get to our bigger players in in the rest of the episode as it sort of doles itself out. Um, and it's just a really in, in, again I'm just gonna say it, it's it's an intense episode. It's it's setting the stage, but it's building the action, it's building the tension in, in such a way that you're just fat you're just captivated right, by it. You can't take your eyes off the screen. You want to know what's coming next. Uh, and you may notice that I, I, I kind of went through a lot of that stuff pretty quickly here, without incorporating a lot of the audio clips from the show. And I, I this week I don't think that's going to be necessary because as great as the dialogue is in this episode, uh, so much of the of the performances in this episode c- comes from like nonverbal communication, right? It's it's seeing the reactions of people. It's it's processing their body language. It is the. Emotional turmoil that they're all going through with the various things that are happening to each of their characters, and based on the situation that they're in. Um, you know, I, I played that clip leading into this this portion of the show, of the show uh, where where Andor gets the news that is of of Marva's passing, um, and I cut it off right after the line's delivered because the rest of that scene. Well, a there's no talking, but if you want to see Diego Luna acting his body off. Uh, watch that scene. Watch his his eyes, his shoulders, his body language, the way everything is is on him, uh, and and the way he sort of keeps it to himself, the way he sort of transforms and, and and sort of tucks it inside of his body when he goes back to talk to to Melshi about what they're to do next. Um, there, there there's a lot of that in this episode from all of our wonderful cast. Um, just a lot of great nonverbal communication happening. On the screen with their with the way they're reacting to things the way they're processing information and and it's 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 a it's a tour de force the 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 performances in the show have been stellar even the small performances here and there just watching the way they they body the the body language of of all the performances it says so much that that really just adds so many layers to the show to to the script right like tony gilroy has written a great script for this episode but the actors bring so so much nuance and and substance to it that they, they they bring it alive in a very fascinating way. So you're not gonna hear a ton of clips on on today's Mandavision podcast from the show. Uh, mostly because I, I don't want I don't want to undercut those those incredible emotional performances that are in this episode. So by all means, watch this episode more than once. Or twice. Watch it eighteen times. That that's gonna be what I plan on doing. So just copy me. All right, let's turn our attention to our favorite rebel uh, sympathizer and, and secret supporter in the Senate. I am, of course, talking about Mon Moth-Lazark in this, in this season. I've been completely fascinated by it since the early episodes. Uh, and and today takes it to a whole different place. You know, the the last few episodes have sort of hinted at the old Chandrillan customs, the old Chandrillan ways of doing things, the arranged marriages, uh, not for love but for business purposes, almost like business transactions in a sense, uh, and how Mon has not been a supporter of it even though she was in one of these relationships. Uh, her, her, her marriage to Parent is is the prime example, and we, we've seen how uh, passive-aggressive that re- entire la- relationship is. Uh, this week on the episode, uh, Vel comes back over, who we learned last week is Mon's cousin. Uh, and, and what we've seen is, is Mon drinking a drink, I'm assuming an alcoholic one, because she can't be delighted with what she's seen, uh, but it's her daughter Lida, uh, in, in, in a very traditional Chandrillan custom that that Mon was hoping would go away, that Vel was hoping would go away. And, and it's sort of, um, I don't really know how to describe it because it's not something that I can quite put my put words to because it's just something so unfamiliar to me. But uh, 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 basically, like embracing these old ways that Mon has been trying to get herself and her family and, and Chandrilla society away from. And she she finds her daughter embracing it, right? Like to sort of, I I, I don't I don't even know just ancient traditions, this way of the braid, uh, and 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 all the customary stuff that goes along with that, like arranged marriages. And as we know, Mon's in a situation now where an arranged marriage to the son of uh, Davos skulldun would solve her problems, right? That would that would. That would take care of the missing, what was it, 500,000 credits that, that are unaccounted for in, in, her, in her accounts that are missing, uh, that she had been directing in different ways uh, uh, to support Luthen's cause, to, to build his rebel network. Uh, and, and I like how Mon sits down with Vel and, and, and kind of goes over all of it and kind of lays it all out out there for us like how easy it was at the beginning just to move this money around there wasn't any oversight she could just do it herself and, and start all these other accounts and, and just let, let the money kind of flow downhill uh and then imperial oversight becomes an issue and she has to pull i think she even describes it as pulling it back uphill uh, but there, there's a ledger missing funds now and she has to bring in take you know take Homa. But there's he warns her that there's even more danger going on because she's not been as as smart as she thought with these things. Like there's there's fingerprints and, and data trails everywhere that she's been doing these things. So so Tay's trying to cover all these things up, but that money is still missing. And and now she's in a predicament, uh, because when these auditors come from the empire, they will know and all will be lost, right? Uh, so she finds herself in this situation with a way out. And you know, just like Cassian's underlying sadness that we talked about, uh, by, especially by the end of this episode when he realizes his actions have, have cost him uh, his, his final moments with his mother, uh, Moth was in a situation where, again, as if, as, when you look back at the season as a whole and, and, and sort of the way she's talked uh, very negatively about shangri customs and traditions and the arranged marriages, and she gets very much into that with, with Davos Golden in last week's episode as well, She's now in a position where she will have to embrace, potentially embrace this to get out of trouble. But what's more sad about this, what's more upsetting about this to Mon Matha and and to us as as viewers is that her daughter's going to be okay with it because she's doing these things. So Mon is potentially damning her daughter to a fate that she never wanted her to have, but her daughter's okay with it because her daughter thinks these are great things and has bought into these things a penny for, you know, uh, in for a penny and for a pound. And, and it, it, I think it makes us sad as viewers to know that Mon's now in this situation, that, that the, the, the exit is right there. Her daughter's into these things, and and the the, the proposal was with uh, Skulden's son is right there, and all these things go away, but she knows what she's uh, condemning her daughter to. And that is so sad. That is so unbelievably sad to think about. And again, you know, Sagar We played the clip. Sagarera talks about the greater good. And in a theory, in a sense, these are things for the greater good. You know, you're thinking about the galaxy as a whole. You're not thinking about. You're thinking about the needs of the many, not the needs of the one or the few, right? Or the few or the one, as as Spock would say. But that's a different. That's a different star. That's a different star. We don't talk about that one on the show. <laughs> so. So it's just, it's just sad. Like this, like what is the cost of of fighting tyranny? What is what is the cost of fighting for freedom and and ending oppression? And and um, it's it's just a lot. It's so much to think about. It's it's just so insanely sad. This episode, I made me so sad in so many ways for our characters. Uh, um, it, oh boy, oh boy. The the Mon Motha story is really hit me a lot harder than I expected it to. When, uh. When you know when we were watching the trailers and when we were kind of getting an idea of what the story was going to be for the show, uh, I did not think this would be the trajectory for Mon Mothma's arc. And don't get me wrong, I'm I am gobbling it up. I'm loving it. it it's delightfully delicious and, and um, just the but there's just such sadness to it. And and, and oh, I, I mean, how can you not feel for her in this situation? She's trying to like bring restore freedom. Oh, I, I, I've already said it. I'm, I don't want to repeat myself anymore, but it's just so gosh darn sad. Holy Toledo. And and she's having this conversation with Val, another person who completely sympathizes with her. And what's even more interesting, too, is like, you know, Perrin's not in the episode, but Perrin uh, – uh, Mon relays information that, that Perrin is surprisingly – not crazy about Lyda doing this either. This is all something that Lyda has chosen to do on her own. She wasn't influenced or coerced by her father. Uh, you know, because so, uh, one of our impressions was she, that Lida was very much uh, her father's daughter. But that's not the case. This is something she did on her own. She found the Elder. She brought the Elder in, brought her friends in. This is her. This, you know, this is something that this generation of Chandrillans of wants to embrace, despite the fact that previous generations have been trying so hard to get away from it. Um, and there is there is... Precedent of that in our society, but it's not something I feel comfortable talking about because it's not something I am uh, super well versed in. Uh, for, in my, in my mind, the closest thing I can I can relate it to is is like when you read uh, history of of like the early or you know of, of early uh, colonization in America with with the Puritans, right? A, a Puritanical lifestyle versus other lifestyles of the time. That's the closest thing I could think of. I'm sure there are more modern. Uh, interpretations uh, that, we, that we can draw from. But again, that's not my wheelhouse. But still, so, so sad. So very, very sad. And now we'll talk about Luthan Ryle, who has another incredible performance in this episode. Stellan Skarsgård is just crushing the show when he shows up. He shows up and brings such gravitas to his scenes. Uh, and and I've been uh, just delighted when he's been in the same shots, in, in the same scenes with Force Whitaker or Saw Guerrera, because they they have something kind of dynamic happening with the two of them uh, that is just juicy, and I, I want more of it. I'm here for all the Luthan Rail and Saw Gerrera scenes I can get my hands on, uh, and this is another good one too. And and you know we're seeing Saw, uh, we're seeing that that hyper paranoid Saw Gerrera that that we got to know in Rogue One. We're seeing that that that's been an early thing of his. He's got to be worried about spies and people. Uh, 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 embedding themselves into his organization, into his group, into his cell, and and potentially putting his people in danger and harm and, and killing him and and ending the, the the fight, right? You know, that's what Sagar is all about. He's all about the fight. And, you know, Saw is initially upset because Saw, Saw wants in now. He's decided, he's changed his mind. He's reversed course. He wants in on Anto Krieger's uh, attack on Spellhouse. And 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 Luthen is in the position where he has to sort of dissuade him from that. He doesn't want to tell him why initially. He's like, "No, I don't think it's a good idea. We should back off." Yeah, you know, your people could do your own thing. I let Krieger do his. And and you know, Saw's not a dumb man. Saw's lived this long. He's fought this hard for this long by not by by being smart, by paying attention, by picking up on the subtle clues and cues of the people around him. And it's it's one of these subtle cues that that. You know, Saw did, did, figures out that, that Luthan is going to sacrifice Krieger's men to keep a contact alive, to keep uh, an imperial spy of his, uh, someone in his network, uh, in place. He's going to sacrifice 31 men. And at first, Saw is is upset about that. Saw seems like he's, he threatens to, what if I tell Krieger, you know, what if I, I could ratchet out right now? And, and, and Luther's like, you could, you know. But like, I'll sacrifice Krieger because Krieger doesn't know me. Krieger, if Krieger's captured and interrogated, he can't point anyone at the Empire back. You know, Saw Gerrera is the bigger danger. That's why. That's part of the reason why he doesn't want to want to burn Saw. But at the same time, he knows Saw's still going to be a resource. And Saw and and to Saw and Luthen is a very different dynamic than Saw, and uh, than then oh my goodness, <laughs> the dynamic between Saw. And Luthen is very different than the relationship that Luthen has with Krieger. Again, where Krieger doesn't even know who uh, Luthen is. So it's 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 not until <laughs> it's not until uh, uh, Luthen points the tubes and says, "Oh, tubes is my spy," and, and it's a whole thing. And, and Saw sort of has to realize that his paranoia is getting a touch out of hand, and he needs to calm down a little bit and listen to Luthen, and and realize that this is a sacrifice that has to be made. To keep the work going, to keep the battle going, to keep the fight going, uh, and again, it's just a really great scene between these two powerhouse actors, and it it underscores the necessity of of sacrifice in the early Rebel Alliance, right? Like you have, you know, you can't get to the Rebels of Yavin without the 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 actions of Luthen Rael and Sagarrera at this point. You know, they're 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 doing the dirty work right now for all the glory that will come to the rebel alliance one day <laughs> you know but there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, just just muck they have to wallow around in to get this fight off the ground and and as luther is pointing out to us you know it's not until the empire puts a real stranglehold on people that they will rise up to fight and that's what luther has to kind of keep pushing towards he has to keep making the empire react in negative ways to to crushing the people right as he tells Cassian in episode three, you know, people don't even realize that they're being choked out by the Empire right now. That's how subtle it's been. Now he's making the Empire more, more overt, more obvious, and that has to keep moving forward. Uh, and and he needs to keep his contact in place. We, you know, we met him last week. We know who it is. That that was a, a relationship that was cultivated and developed and grown. And and Luther is not willing to sacrifice his ISB, a mole. At this point. And I think those of us who watch a lot of Spycraft movies know exactly what's going on here. But to see it uh, transposed into Star Wars, it's just so delightful. It is just so awesome. I, I loved it so, so much. It's, it's just great to see uh, these elements put into play in Star Wars. You know, it, it takes a little bit of the shine off of Alliance, which I think is fair. I think that's what you have to do to kind of get, get a little grit. Into into the Star Wars galaxy, I'm I'm here for all of that. I'm I'm I am a okay with it. And again, you can have that noble shiny version of Star Wars too. Like there's Star Wars for everyone. Uh, there there there's no wrong way to Star Wars <laughs> necessarily. Star Wars is a buffet. It is a smorgasbord. You know, you, you pick up the parts you want. You pass on the ones you don't. But I I'm here for the grit. Put the put the grit right in my eggs. I'm I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, and then as he's leaving, uh, we get to see the Fondor in a way that we haven't seen the Fondor. I am, of course, referring to Luthan Rail's ship. It's not merely some transport. Oh, no, 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 my friends. This is a ship in the Star Wars galaxy. It has to be functioning on a different level, and we get to see it today as an Imperial patrol who's been monitoring for partisan activity in the sector, intercepts Rail above the planet, uh, and and intends and, and to board him, and lock tractor beams on him, and, and Luthan's got his, his rad... Uh, has had a, a, a nav droid who, who it is is just that's an awesome droid. The droid who's controlling the Fondor is awesome. I can't remember. I think they even had a name for him in the first episode or two, uh, but now I don't remember what it is. I have to look that up again. But is is, is he BDS? Is he BXE? Maybe like that's what's sticking around in my head, but that could be wrong. But again, a great nav droid who pulls up all kinds of stuff. That ship controlling the Fondor is awesome, or the droid controlling the Fondor is awesome. Uh, Luthen has a, a, a transponder code generator. He has a, a, an Alderaanian trader alliance code. The Empire doesn't care. They're going to board him anyways under the guise of practice. And uh, uh, Luthen Rael can't stand that. And so they, they lock him in the tractor beam. And we get to see that the Fondor has countermeasures for tractor beams, which, oh, that, that tickled me to no end because that is something I have speculated about endlessly in my free time. Uh, and to see it deployed in a way, in that fashion, was an absolute delight. To see him break that tractor beam, shred it with those, with those projectiles that he launched that were now caught in the tractor beam, being pulled rapidly towards the ship, shredding that dish, the tractor dish. Awesome. So great. And then when the, when the, when the Empire launches their, their TIE wing to, to detain him, uh, we get to see the firepower of the Fondor as well. Uh, they blow up a TIE bomber, they blow up a TIE fighter, and then Luthien deploys, I don't know exactly what they are, just some kind of crazy lightsaber-esque cutting beams from the side of the ship, does a quick spin move and shreds two TIEs uh, and before launching to light speed while a hapless crew of that, that TIE, of, of the uh, Imperial uh, patrol ship, just watches, <laughs> mouths agape, <laughs> And I love this. I love the scene uh, as Luthen is, is 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 you know fighting against the tractor beam, and the Empire's like, "What is he doing? He can't get away from us!" Uh, you know, again, that imperial arrogance uh, just coming out so strongly in the show. It's just absolutely, absolutely uh, delightful, uh, and and it, the absolute confidence that that Luthen has, the way he acts, the way that he's planned for all these things. Uh, if you're not dying to know more about Luthen Rael's backstory, uh, I. Don't know what you're paying attention to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm completely fascinated by this man. I really, really am. Uh, I guess we'll get to, our, to our, our, our our main character, all right? Let's talk about Cassian, and he's with Melshi for this episode. After we see them on the cliffs on Narkeena Five, avoiding being recaptured by the Empire, they get captured themselves by some native Narkeenians after a, a lackluster effort <laughs> to steal their quad jumper. And uh, they get caught up in, like, these really gross-looking webby things that the Narcanians had. Uh, and <laughs> that just looked, like, slimy and awful, and I did not care for it. But the, the Narkenians, once they realized they were prisoners from the facility and not the Empire themselves, seemed much more okay with them. Uh, apparently the is not keen on the Empire being there, ruining the water, ruining the, 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 the catches of... of, of the natives, whatever it is, I'm assuming some sort of native fish that they like to catch. Uh, the catches have not been as good with the Imperial presence there sullying the waters around the planet. Uh, so they decide to aid uh, Cassian and Melshi and, and help them get off-planet away from the Empire because, they, hey, they got no love for the Empire. So where do they want to go? Cassian has one place in mind, of course. It's time to return to Nemos, uh, where the housekeeping isn't good. And Andor's guns, credits, and, of course, Nemec's manifesto are still hidden above the shower. Uh, I guess that's a pretty good hiding spot. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I guess unless something happened with like that hydro shower, right? Like something would um, hype. What do they call a the shower in Star Wars? I can't remember. Was it Was it? not a hydro shower. That's not it. I'm drawing a blank on it. But as, as soon as I turn the recorder off, I will remember what they call a shower in Star Wars. And <laughs> and maybe some somebody will let me know on Twitter too. <laughs> like, gosh, why can't I think of it? It's oh, it's in it's in my brain riling around somewhere, but. Uh, Oh well. Uh, <laughs> so I guess it's a decent enough hiding place because unless something breaks with the shower, like right, it's just you know whatever. Uh, so he recovers all this stuff, and that's when he makes the call to Ferex. and and uh, Zanwan answers the call and breaks the news to andor about Marva, and again we sort of just to re- kind of remind you all we talked about it a little bit. This just sort of underlines, underscores. Uh, uh, you know, Andor's kind of selfish acts. What it, what what those acts have cost him now, right? As as he was driven off of Ferrix, he couldn't go back to Ferrix. When he went back, they told him he had to go because things are terrible here because of what you've done. And you know, you you brought a garrison to Ferrix by by getting into it with with uh, what you did on Marlano One, right? Like you brought all this trouble down on Ferrix, and now you can't stay. And then he goes and does the old honey heist, gets arrested, and all these things have happened and he he can't be there for his his mother the woman who adopted him and rescued him from uh, from canari and and again it's just another level it, it adds this sadness to the character right this now this burden of guilt that his actions like these you know pretty we'll we'll call them selfish actions right that they're motivated by his own personal interests and, and not the greater good of anything uh, now cost him these final moments with, with marva and I think that's going to be a, a guilt that he carries around for a long, long time. Uh, and depending on how things shake out in episode 12 next week, you know, I, I would imagine that Nemesis Manifesto will come into play. The the inspiration that Marva took from the Aldhani heist. I think Cassian will have to reevaluate his actions in in the context of the galaxy at large, and 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 where is he going to fit in with that? And then, of course, he's going to have to survive the Empire's trap. <laughs> the rebels trap for him uh, and and a, a vengeful Cyril Karn coming gunning for him as well who's got his own vendetta so so Karn never teams up with the ISB like we thought they would like we thought he may uh, so it's actually three parties that are insanely interested in Cassian Andor not to mention maybe there's some people on Farrix who, who may, maybe have him out for it too but we'll see about that. I don't think so I think it's just those three that we discussed but yeah, holy smokes did we set the table up here for uh, just a a really, really, what I I can only imagine is going to be just a pulse-pounding, tension-filled episode to close out season one of what has been the best Star Wars show, in my humble opinion. And I say that as a man who dearly loves The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. But this show, like I said, I I, I told you before, it's it's just scratching an itch that was between the center of my shoulder blades that I didn't know was there, but it feels so good to get it scratched right now. Holy Toledo. Give me some more of that back-scratching joy. <laughs> because, oof, I needed it. And I didn't know how much I needed it until I got it. And it's, it's been a delight. So, yeah, the stage is set for next week's pulse-pounding season finale for Andor. Right before we all get drunk on gravy and, and turkey meats. Can't wait. It's going to be, ooh, what a way to kick off a holiday weekend. Andor. Just going to watch it on loop. All Thanksgiving dinner. We'll talk about that next week, though, all right? Uh, I don't know what else to have to say about this episode, though, other than I, I, we have... Like, when do we, I guess I wouldn't imagine we'll spend too much time getting into, into Luthan's origins necessarily. He may drop some hints next week. Maybe we'll find out a little bit. But I I wanted to know this dude's backstory. Who is this guy? Was, it, was he, like, Republic Intelligence at some point? Like, he's he's so insanely cunning and crafty. Like, he has to have some sort of... A, uh, a spy background, right? Like, like he is Tinker Ta- Taylor Soldier Spy. Like, this is like this guy is is so insanely capable. I want to know more. I want to know where he came from. Uh, I want to know what happened. I want to know all of it. But I may have to wait for season two for that. And then uh, the the one thing I've speculated on that I'd still really like to know, and I don't know if it'll. I don't. I don't know if they'll do it or not at this point because I, I wonder if there might. If, if if it might just be a comment on the bureaucracy of the Empire, but w- will Ded Romero and the ISB ever figure out that they had Cassian Andor in custody already and he got away? Because that will, again, maybe that's just for my own amusement, but I, uh, if they don't talk about it, maybe, that, again, that's just might be a commentary on uh, the, just the insane bureaucracy of the Empire and how it just, it's too big for its own good because it doesn't even know what one, ha- one's, well, you know, the left hand doesn't know what the right is doing kind of situation. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if those two things get addressed and shaken out. Um, will we find it? What's going to happen to the B2 emo? Will, will Cassie and come and take him home and, and they go on adventures together in season two before K2SO shows up? I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Or is that little droid gonna? Oh, is he just gonna miss Marva too much? And he? Oh, I don't I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about droid death. It's making me sad. All right, I think we're gonna close up shop here. Uh, let's. Yeah, what a great show. My goodness gracious. I, I don't know what else to say. This has just been a delight. And every every Wednesday has been so much fun to watch. So uh, uh, I hope you all feel the same way and are as excited as I am about this show. Uh, another reminder that we are on social media, so please follow us uh, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Still on Twitter. I don't know if we s- will stay there. That's uh, up for debate, I suppose. But We're there for now, so reach out to us there and on Instagram. Please email us at mandavisiontom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If you'd like to support the show by giving us some sweet five-star reviews, we would be insanely appreciative of that because they really do help small independent shows like us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle, and we need all the help to fight against that shuffle. (laughs) The truffle shuffle, indeed. Uh, If you want to support the show with a couple bucks here and there, you can do that. Over at patreon.com forward slash Mandavision, you can become a Mandavision maniac and join Buckethead Nation and hang out with people like the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Just got a great podcast. Check it out. called The Ringing Ear. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Brian Bussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegamer, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hop, the Silent Assassin, he who should not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co host of Come On, It's Still Good. A great movie podcast and a occasional collaborator here on the Mandavision podcast. So uh, check out their show. It's a good time. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week, like I said before, for that pulse pounding finale of Andor. Get ready. It's going to be a good one. Uh, just buckets on all week. It's, it's holiday season. Keep your bucket on just for safety. You know, when you're going out to the store, to the market, just have your bucket on. There's crazy people out there. Tossing turkeys at people. You never know. The bucket could save your life. All right. Remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I find that answer vague and unconvincing.